moving from a broken Eden to a future fulfilled, absolutely complete and perfect Eden. No sin, our lives changed forever. That's the plan. Amen. Well, it's great to be here with you. Great to be worshiping here in person. And if you're joining us online, great to have you online with us as well, man. We are here to make much of Jesus Christ. May it be all about our King, right? No matter what we do, no matter what we go after, always about Jesus Christ. And all of God's people said, Amen, man. It's a huge deal. It's just easy to get so distracted with what's going on in this world and the things that get said and the challenges that get made. And man, it's just so easy to start falling into our own little circumstances and making it about that. But man, please hear me. It is always first and foremost about the glory of Jesus Christ. May we lift him up. May we praise him. May we follow after him and celebrate him with all we've got. Hey, we're in a series here called, Who is This Jesus? And we're walking through just seeing all that Christ is revealed as in Scripture. And uh, we started on Easter Sunday, and we were talking about him being the life. He is alive. He has risen from the dead, and he offers eternal life for us. He is alive. Everybody just say, he is alive. He is alive, man. Jesus Christ, he is our risen Savior, and he brings life. But more than that, as we looked at over the next couple of weeks, he is God Almighty. Jesus is God, right? I ready to say Jesus is God. Jesus is God. He is absolutely creator over all. He is absolutely in charge of all. Jesus, he is the word of God, the expression of God into this world. He is the son of God, one of the roles of the Godhead, and he experienced sharing with us here on this earth. Man, we have a living God, and he is here among us. Praise God, Emmanuel, God with us. And so we've looked at him as God Almighty. We've looked at him as the one who is creator over all. We've celebrated that we have a king who absolutely brings hope. And now today we're looking at him as friend, friend. And I'll tell you, when you first think of God as God over everything and God with us in everything and God for us in everything, it almost feels a little sacrilegious to start saying Jesus is friend. It seems really low, really small, but the reality is Jesus called himself that and we're gonna see it in the passage today. He is our friend. Man, if you trust him, if you believe in him, if you believe he is risen, confess him as Lord, if you are saved, man, he is your friend, the God of the universe, your friend. So here we go. Uh, turn with me, if you will, to John chapter 15, starting in verse 7. John chapter 15, starting in verse 7, as we get going. Point number one, he is the vine. Abide in him. He is the vine. Abide in him. As we dive into this passage, and we'll start at verse 7, just remember, whenever you jump into a passage, always know the context. Always make sure you know what's going on. Make sure you know what was coming before it. And so just a little bit of a context before we get going here. We're in the beginning of John 15 here, in the middle of it. And uh, the reality is a couple chapters back in John, you were actually seeing a time where Christ was coming down the Mount of Olives. There was this massive celebration about who Christ is, and they were crying out, Hosanna, blessed be the one who comes in the name of the Lord. He was coming down on a donkey. He was fulfilling Old Testament prophecy. They were seeing him as Messiah. 
He is God Almighty. He is the one who's going to reign as king forever. They're looking at us taking over. And Israel is all of a sudden going to rule forever. And Christ is going to be on the throne. They're like, here it comes. And, and please hear me. They're not wrong in what they're saying. They were just wrong in the timing, right? It's still to come. It's coming in the future still for us. But they did understand rightly that there would be a coming Messiah, that Jesus is him, and he will reign. Now, they were expecting it to be immediate. And as Christ came down the Mount of Olives, then the next few days were Christ beginning to prepare to go to the cross. And a couple days after, right, after the Mount of Olives, he ends up having this moment with the disciples who would soon be called apostles as they were beginning to plant the church. And he's spending time with them. And he's walking through with them, having a kind of a Passover feast. And he's remembering back to what happened with Israel and Egypt and how God had released them. And he's talking about the sacrificial lamb, but he tra- changes it. And he's like, he's talking about himself now. And he takes the bread and as he tears it, he says, this is my body broken for you. And then he takes the cup. This is my blood poured out for you. As he's walking through that Passover feast moment, he's making it very clear he is going to be sacrificing for them. They barely understood it, but he was making it clear to them. Jesus. And at the end of that, he ends up saying, and one of you among me right now, right here, is going to betray me. One of you is going to betray me. Can you imagine being one of the 12 disciples right there with Jesus and you hear him say, one of you, and you're like, dude, I'm not planning on betraying him. And you're looking around and you're looking for that body language. Like who's the guy who starts looking down, kind of looking away, won't connect eyes, right? Who is this betrayer that he's talking about? What is Jesus alluding to? And of course, Jesus knew he was talking about Judas and what was going to happen with the 30 pieces of silver in order to hand Jesus over to the trials. And, uh, but the disciples didn't get it. And they're trying to figure it out and understand. And it says actually in John that Jesus was in deep agony over this betrayal coming. Have you ever been betrayed? Have you ever had a friend who actually just walked out on you, just dumped the relationship, wouldn't have anything to do with, stabbed you in the back as hard as you could? Jesus was feeling that betrayal and trying to begin to walk through it. As he was preparing the disciples for getting ready for what was coming. He's beginning to go for a walk with them and in typical fashion with Jesus as he's like kind of near the vines and the vineyards all around. He ends up pointing at it and he says, I am the vine. You're the branches. Draw life from me. I'm the vine. You're the branches. He's saying, look, some of you, one of you, it's not going to be drawing life from me. It's not going to be abiding in me. Get ready. You're going to need to prepare. Things are coming that you don't understand. And you're going to need to be drawing life from me like you would not believe. Abide in me. Jesus making it clear of the calling with them. And that's where we pick it up now. So turn with me to verse 7 of chapter 15. He says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be his disciples. He says, if you abide in me. Now that word abide, it's not a word we typically use, right? You're like, hey, what'd you do yesterday? Oh, I was abiding with my wife. 
right? We, we just don't talk that way, right? It's a different word. It means a lot. It has a lot of meaning to it and significance. It's just not one we tend to use in our English language too much right now, right? But abide, it means to actually be relating to, to connect with, to draw life from. A lot like a kind of a vine and a branch connected. And so drawing life from spending time with. It's a huge deal to grasp it. You know, I'll say right now, actually in the spring, uh, this is actually a little shout out to those hunters. So it is turkey season, right? And uh, do we have any turkey hunters in here? All right. (laughs) Got a couple, right? And uh, turkey hunting, it's a blast, man. And uh, I have not been out turkey hunting in in a number of years, but man, it is so much fun to be able to get out there in the early morning and to be calling them in and these big gobblers coming in and and, uh, being able to get a shot. And it's uh, just a blast to be out in the nice spring weather doing it. You know, it was years back, I used to, we used to always go out with my dad and my uncle and my cousins, and a bunch of us would get out there turkey hunting and, and had a good time doing it. So I decided uh, I was going to ask my girls to come and do that with, right? Just so you know, we have two girls. And uh, when we had the second girl, I looked at Jana and I said, one of these girls is going to learn to gut a deer, Right? Just like I love hunting, it's a part of our family. And actually, as it turns out, both of them uh, are good deer hunters and have gotten nice deer and some bucks and all that stuff. And we've had a blast doing it. But turkey hunting wise, didn't get to get out with them much with it. And so I asked my younger daughter, Alyssa, to come with, and we went out turkey hunting. We were sitting out there for a long time. And I'm making some calls, and we could hear them gobble off in the distance, but we never did get them to come out in front of us. We never did get to see one in front of us. And it was finally time to call it. It was later morning, and so, like, it's packing up. So we stand up, and we're getting ready to go. And I reach down, and I take her hand, and we're walking out. And I said, hey, I'm, uh, she's probably about, I don't know, six, seven years old, something like that. I said, hey, I'm sorry we didn't get to see a turkey today. And she looks up at me, and she says, oh, it's okay, Dad. I just like being with you. Dude, that's abiding. That is abiding. Like, it doesn't even matter what the circumstances are. I'm with you. Jesus says, abide in me. Like, don't just look for the, God, give me the circumstances I want. I want it just like I, no. This is, Lord God, whatever. I'm with you. Abide in me. May God get all the glory. And all of God's people said, he says, if you abide in me, And my words abide in you. He's like, in the word of God, the written word, my words abide in you. How does the word abide in me? Here's uh, three steps for us to do if we want God's word to abide in us, all right? Three words here that you might want to write down. Three words. How does God's word abide in me? How can I make sure that happens? Here we go. First, we have to hear the word. Hear. Hear. Now, that may be from a preacher preaching. It may be because you're reading it yourself, but you're hearing the word. You're having it come in, and you're grasping what it says, right? Hear the word. That's the first one. Second, not just hear the word, but you have to trust the word. Trust. Okay, God is saying it, and he means it, and he's not getting off of it. I'm counting on him to follow through. This is what he says, and so I'm counting on him. So we hear God's word, we trust God's word, and then the third, and we obey God's word. How do we have God's word abide in us? We hear, we trust, and we obey. We follow through. 
We see what God's word says. We understand that God has a plan in it. We trust him in that and we follow through with obedience. May God get all the glory. Hear, trust, and obey. Just say those three words with me. Hear, trust, obey. That is a massive deal for God's word to be abiding in you. May we really get after it. Be super careful. A lot of times we'll take God's word and instead of hearing, we'll start stretching it or changing it. We could be really careful with God's word and making sure that you're listening, not ignoring, that you're following through. He says, and my words abide in you. He says, ask whatever you wish and it will be done. Now, just so you know, many people just jump to that part of the passage, read that, and then go, I'm just telling you, prayer doesn't work. It says, ask whatever you wish, and it'll be done. How come it's not done in my life? I was praying that the bears would get some good draft choices. And, and, uh, <laughs> like, how come it's not being done in my life? And, but don't forget what he says before it. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you. This is all about relationship with Jesus Christ. And if we're drawing life from him, and if we're grasping where he's going, and if we understand what his purpose is, if we grasp what God is doing, then we and our hearts will be so set to say, yes, God, your will. And now all of a sudden, we start praying exactly where God is moving. We start grasping that what God is going after is in some area, and we're like, Lord, we would long to see this happen, and our prayer starts getting yes all over the place. The way that we actually have a yes to our prayer is we actually are in alignment with who God is and what God's doing. We see him at work. It may be in the hardest of times as we're crying out. Man, we have a battle cry statement around here as we go through our heartaches, right? My God can and my God will, and even if my God doesn't, I will worship him. May God get all the glory. This is a huge call out for us to be able to say, Lord God, it's not just about give me my way. It's not magic genie, I just want. And the power of prayer is us being in alignment with God, getting where he's going. And all of a sudden our prayers start getting yes all over the place because we're grasping what God's wanting and doing next. And it's our will too, as we're running after it. That is a huge deal. So if your thought was, this seems like a promise that all I have to do is ask and I'll get, you're kind of missing it, the first part of it. And abide with him, draw life from him, grasp who he is, see where he's going, run with him, long for him, then pray and watch how your prayer gets answered, yes. It's a huge, huge deal. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done. He says, by this my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be his disciples. By this my father is glorified. We show him off by bearing fruit. Remember he's talking about I am the vine, you are the branches. He's like, just stay with the metaphor like, like your grapes are rich and lush. Like there's, you're growing in Christ. You're maturing in Christ. You're bearing fruit. You're looking more like him. And this gives massive glory to the Father. It shows off what he is doing. His character at work in you. And are you there? Are you bearing fruit and glorifying the Father? Are you, let's put it this way. Are you following him and letting him lead? May God get all 
the glory. It's all about the Father's glory. And in the end, as we bear fruit, that's what happens. We prove to be His disciples. Please hear me. We're not doing works or bearing fruit to become a disciple. We're doing works and bearing fruit so that in the end, it's obvious we already are His disciples, proving that we're His disciples. It says, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. God the Father pouring His love into God the Son, this perfect union between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. A love uh, interaction there like none other. Absolute perfection in that unity. And God the Father pouring his love down into God the Son. And God the Son pouring it down into the disciples and sharing as they interacted with seeing Jesus doing amazing works and having amazing statements and calling across to a walk that was just so satisfying to them. Yet Jesus pouring in his love and it says, so abide in my love. You know, the word love is used a lot right here. And it's always the word agape, sacrificial love. It's like there's this massive sacrifice going on being poured in. And God the Son being a huge example, right? As Jesus steps into this world, he goes to the cross. He dies on the cross and rises from the dead. For me, for you. Jesus laying his life on the line that you might be saved. He's like, know this, I love you. Abide in my love. Draw massively. Bask in my love. Be absolutely celebratory about who I am. Live with him. Live for him. May God get all the glory, right? He says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. If you're asking, how do I abide in your love? Well, he gives the answer right here, right? He says, keep my commandments. You will abide in my love. He's like, obey what I'm saying. It's right back to the same thing about his word. Obey my word, right? That's how the word abides in me. And so if I'm abiding in his word, well, I'm also obeying then and I'm abiding in his love. They're one and the same. When you're abiding in God's word and abiding in his love, you're letting him lead and he's in charge. Lord God, what do you want done? And it's a huge moment for you to draw life from your king and see him do amazing works in you. Don't miss it as you draw life and abide. Him doing something in you that you could not do on your own. He's like, hang on, hear me, trust me, obey me. May God get all the glory. All right, as he's talking about this um, abiding and obeying. He's talking about listening to his commandments. Please hear me on this. The world teaches strongly right now. Listen to your feelings. In fact, there's something happening where all of a sudden the definition of knowledge is, well, whatever you feel it is. And, and truth is becoming just tell me how you feel and we'll work down that path. And, and please hear me. Some things are subjective. You know, what is the best color in the world? Whatever you want it to be, Right? But who is God? Uh, that is not whatever you want it to be. Jesus Christ, him alone, and all of God's people said, man, there is truth, there is absolute truth, and it isn't based on my feelings. And we have to be super careful with that. 
The world is teaching, just ask yourself how you feel and run after it, no matter what it is. And that will miss the mark massively. Christ is like, obey my words, hear, trust, and follow. He says, these things have I spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. That your joy may be full. That your joy may be what? Full. Man, I'm just telling you, everything the world is going after is to try to change this sentence. How can we get joy? In what ways can we go after things that will be so fulfilling? And then they try to come up with any and every possibility. Know this, the answer here is, to abide in him, to abide in his love, to abide in his word, to obey Jesus Christ and let him lead. His word is it. This church will preach God's word and we will stand on his word. May God get all the glory. And all of God's people said, huge call, man. And it says here that our joy may be full. The promise that you will understand the purpose that you will have a peace maybe like never before, that you will have a settling in your soul of joy. God's got it in hand, a massive comfort and ease in getting that your God is in charge and he so cares for you and loves you. And the promise here that your joy may be full. Simple question. So are you filled with joy? Are you able to say you're experiencing that? Or are you tearing yourself down or allowing others to tear down? And may we truly taste of the fullness of joy as we spend time with our King. Don't miss this privilege and opportunity. May God get all the glory. You know, he's talking a lot about vines and branches and pruning and, and uh, you know, this past couple of weeks, uh, John and I went outside to go work on uh, the rose bushes. And uh, just so you know, we've been living in our house since 2008, and, uh, which is a long time, right? And uh, when we moved in, there was no landscaping there, really. We had to put most of it in around the house. So we brought an expert in, and they kind of gave us their design. And, uh, and it was gorgeous. I mean, it was going to be lush. It was going to be beautiful. We were going to kill it within two weeks. It was it was not going to work, man. There's no way. There was way too much, and it required way too much upkeep. We're like, okay, something like that, just way less, and it doesn't need me at all. And then we're good. And so we ended up with hostas and rose bushes in a lot of places around, and then some bushes that were pretty hardy and tough. And I'll tell you, in the general, it's done well. It looks pretty good, and it's not because of me at all, you know? We just kind of step back and watch it go. Now, the reality is we do take a little bit of time to try to trim the rose bushes back, at least every once in a while, one every couple of years we try. So we went after it. And uh, as we went after cutting these rose bushes, I'm just telling you, those thorns are sharp. And uh, I say that as if I've never cut rose bushes. I haven't cut them much, I'll just be honest. So I go in to cut and man, they are sharp and you're getting in there and trying to cut and cut it down into pieces and then take them off to get them kind of dumped off somewhere else. But as you're going to cut, you can tell kind of which branches are going to just sprout up and are going to be really vibrant and which are just completely dead. Absolutely no life being drawn whatsoever from the roots. And uh, that's what Jesus is talking about. He's like, make sure you understand 
There's branches that are, are just dead. They're just sitting there, lifeless, drawing no life from. And then there's branches that are drawing in and they're going to be so vibrant. I love knockout roses. I love how they just pop with color. I love how they're so resilient and vibrant. And he's like, man, make sure you're that. Like you are truly drawing in life and you are grasping who Christ is and you're seeing all that he's doing. Don't be the dead branches that are just laying there brittle. You can just touch them and they just crack off. Not that. May we abide in Jesus Christ. And all of God's people said, so simple question, how are you doing at abiding? How are you doing at drawing life from Jesus? How are you doing at walking along with Jesus in the circumstances of life and saying, it's okay, Jesus, I just like spending time with you. Man, open up your word each day and get blown away with who God is. Stunned with what the passage says about him and then celebrate him throughout the day as you go on to do your work. May God get all the glory. And all of God's people said, amen. amen. Point number two, <clears throat> he is your friend. Live with him, love like him. He is your friend, live with him, love like him. He says, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. So Jesus is like, hey, the Father's poured his love into me and I poured my love into you. Now you pour your love out into the world. Like this is the plan of a church on fire. This is what it looks like to go after it. May God get all the glory. This is a plan where people can see that God is rocking you and changing you and you're excited to go after it. May we be truly a church on fire, God pouring into our lives and us pouring out into those around us. Picture it like kind of those champagne waterfalls, you know what I'm talking about, where you take a glass right up, way up on top, and then the next layer down, you put a, a few more glasses around, and the next layer is more around, right? And you can just see these layers of glasses, and then you pour some kind of liquid, I won't say champagne again, pour some kind of liquid into <laughs> into the top and it fills to the top and it spills over and it pours into the next level of cups and then they all fill up and then spill out to the next layer of cups and then they all fill up. That's the plan of the church on fire. That's the plan. Is Jesus Christ poured into by the Father, him pouring into the disciples, them pouring into those around. For us today, now us being poured into by Jesus Christ and pouring into those around us to family, to friends, caring for the little ones in the home, making sure that the love of Jesus Christ is absolutely obvious in who you are. Make sure that you are filled to the rim with joy and love and peace and an understanding and obedience of who your God is and make sure that that is pouring out to those around you. May God get all the glory. And all of God's people said, says, greater love is no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Sacrifice. And Jesus saying, like, get ready because I'm going to the cross in just a couple days. I don't know that the guys really understood anything at this point. But he's like, I'm telling you, sacrifice. And I'm going to be going to the cross for you. And for us, may we sacrifice for those around us. May we love with a costing love. It takes a little bit to be able to care for those around us. 
And you heard Pastor Steve talking about Compassion Day. So excited to be going after that. Love that our church rallies together each spring. It is always the first Saturday in May. So you can go ahead and set your calendars for this year and for all the coming years, right? It's the first weekend of May. And man, we're excited to go after it, to be able to make a statement about who Jesus Christ is to be able to be the hands and feet. We get so many reports back from different organizations and people just saying, I could never have done this without your help. Thank you so much. Praise God for all that you guys are doing and for all that God is doing through you. That's a huge deal that we get to be a little bit of an encouragement to those around us outside these church walls. May God get all the glory. And all of God's people said, yeah, man, Compassion Day. If you're not signed up for it, it's not too late. Get after it. Let's do this together, right? It says here, greater love is no one than this, that someone sacrificed. You know, Romans 5.8 says that Jesus died for us, ready, while we were still sinners. Dude, that's some sacrifice. While we didn't get him at all, while we refused to come along, while we weren't doing or getting anything, he died for me. My sin covered that is sacrifice. Jesus absolutely laying it on the line. It says, no longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what the master is doing. I love this moment right here where Jesus is going to transition their terms. And he's like, listen, a servant doesn't get what's going on. A servant just has an assignment, what to do. Just go do this. That's all the servant has. They don't have the purpose they don't have the cause behind it. They don't have the understanding of it. Man, make sure that you understand Christ is sharing across purpose in a huge way. This massive statement about reconciliation, taking us from a broken down world, moving from a broken Eden to a future fulfilled, absolutely complete and perfect Eden. No sin. Our lives changed forever. That's the plan. God doing a work in us, our sin covered by Jesus, that's the plan. There is a massive purpose of restoring, and you're a part of it. He's like, listen, I'm not just giving you some command to go do something. I'm inviting you to be a part of a massive purpose statement. May God get all the glory. And uh, I'll just say this, when you see this statement about uh, understanding purpose, uh, hear this. Man, if you're a boss, you've got a company. Uh, if you are even running a department, if you run your home, and you lead your family, and just know this, being able to share the why goes a long way. Why are we doing this? What are we trying to accomplish? A great leader will be able to inspire by sharing the purpose as well as the assignment. Otherwise, you will absolutely foster a sense of servanthood in it all. Man, call him to come join you in a massive purpose statement. And know this, may your life for your family be, here is our purpose. We are first and foremost going to glorify Jesus Christ with all we've got. Nothing takes preeminence over making sure that God gets all the glory. First and foremost, Jesus in our family. Man, you sell that purpose. This is why we're here. The next breath we breathe is for that. You are going to begin to foster a worship in your kids like you would not believe. And make sure that you grasp it. It is a huge call out. It is more than just an assignment. It's a purpose statement. And Jesus says, ready? But I have called you friends. 
but I have called you friends. And this is where the whole sermon title comes from today. Jesus, like you are my friend. I mean, it, it almost sounds sacrilegious, right? It just almost doesn't even sound right. Like you don't have to humble yourself that far. Like you are God of the universe. You are creator of all. And the king of everything, the king over all of the physical world is saying, and you're my friend. Man, if you believe that Jesus is risen, you're saved. Jesus is saying, you are my friend. You are my friend. Man, have you ever been walking along and you saw somebody that was very famous and one of your friends knew him? The guy at least pointed to him. You're like, you know that guy, right? And it tends to draw, imagine you know the God of the universe and he walks up to you and says, how's it going, friend? How are you doing? Your God with you on a daily basis, sitting down with you. I know this is going really hard right now. How are you doing, friend? Your God loves you. He is right here in it with you. You are not left alone in this. Your God with all of his power and all of his love, stepping in with you and calling you friend. Man, don't miss that privilege. Jesus Christ. You know, it says in James chapter 2, verse 23, Abraham believed God and he was called a friend of God. The way we get called friend is through our faith in Jesus Christ. It's not us doing and earning in some way. It is faith in Jesus Christ and we are called friend. It says, for all that I have heard from my father, I made known to you. Jesus is like, I'm just telling you, it's all about sharing the purpose. Make sure that you get it out. You guys are being treated as friends. I'm welcoming you into the inside. Now here we go. And it's a massive call to rally, sharing the big picture. He said, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. He's like, listen, here's the deal. I'm calling you out. I'm the one who picked you and brought you across Jesus working in our lives, Jesus dying for our sin, Jesus having a massive role in our salvation. Your God knows you, loves you, and calls you across. This huge moment where he says, yeah, I've done the choosing and the appointing, that you should go and bear fruit, and that you and your fruit should abide. Take time with me. Draw life from me. Watch my love pour down into you and all of a sudden you get a picture of what's going on like you never did before. And as you begin to work alongside of me, you watch your soul begin to be shaped one little bit at a time. You watch the fruit start to pour out as you are more mature. You're growing in him. There are things happening in you because you're letting your God have his way. He's like, that's what I'm talking about. Come on, friend, abide in me. Let's do this together. He says, so that, purpose statement, like why abide in me? Why have the fruit in me? So that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. He's like, hear me, the secret to getting an answer of yes to prayer is that you're abiding in me and you're drawing from me and you get who I am and you understand the purpose, and you're running as hard as I am at that direction, you are my friend, and we're working together. May God get all the glory. 
And our job is, sure, to be specific in prayer requests and make sure that at the same time and humble in our worship, may God get all the glory. Ready? And all of God's people said, he says, these things I have commanded you so that you will love one another. Like I'm telling you, abide in me that you will love one another. I'm telling you, abide in my word. Hear me, trust me, obey me that you might love one another. He's like, I am love. Hear me, God is not loving. God is love. He doesn't at sometimes have love and then sometimes not. God is love. And as he pours that love in, he's like, the best message you can give to a broken and dying world is your love on fire as I pour into your life. Get ready to love those around you. The battle cry statement, we're going to go after this together. He says, these things have I commanded you, do this. He's like, abide in me, draw life in me, obey me, bask in my love, share my love. Sign up for Compassion Day, right? May God get all the glory. Hey man, whatever it is, however you go after it in ways that you can find that are available to you to be loving those around you, may God be lifted up. And all of God's people said, may we abide in Jesus Christ. Everybody just say abide. That is our call. Let's pray. 